Welcome back to another episode of Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. I am Dana Shea. So happy to have you here today. You all, today's episode is going to be fantabulous. You are going to be so happy that you're here. I hope you've been having a good week. And no matter where you are right now, maybe you're driving in your car, maybe you're cooking dinner, maybe you're in the shower and you've got the podcast playing on a speaker. Wherever you are, I just want to take the time to tell you thank you so much for being a listener to this podcast. I hope you'll subscribe. I hope that you will even write a review. So I have with us today a new friend of mine named Miss Molly Moses. Molly and I actually met on Clubhouse. Have you guys heard of Clubhouse? Now, I just have to say, if you're an Android user, you don't know about Clubhouse. You don't have access to Clubhouse yet, at least as of the taping of this episode. If you are an iPhone user, you have got to download Clubhouse. It is an audio social media app. Now, I know, I know, I know. You guys are like, I do not have time for another social media app. I thought the same thing too. But y'all, when I tell you the people that I have met on Clubhouse, the connections that I have built, the relationships that I have formed, it is so worth it. And the great thing about Clubhouse is because it's an audio app, you can be doing something else. You can be casually listening into conversations. But Molly and I actually happen to be in a marriage room. They call their their groups rooms. And so you're in the room with other uh, like-minded people. There's a stage. So you'll have several different moderators and speakers on the stage. And then other people will be in the room and those people can be invited to speak on the stage. So both Molly and I were both invited to speak on the stage in this marriage room that we were in, we had never met. But as she began to share, I thought I have got to reach out to her because I felt so connected and so aligned with a lot of the things that she was sharing. And we just had a good girlfriend chat. And so you get to come in to this episode and hear Molly and I chat about women and sex and initiation and building confidence and body image and lies that women have been told about sex. This conversation really could have gone on for hours it's it's so needed. There's so many great things I could say about Molly. And what I want you to know about her is that she practices what she preaches. She is a fitness coach. She's a loving wife and a mom of two kids. She'll talk about her family as we kind of get into the episode today. She's also a blogger where she incorporates faith, family, fashion, and fitness. So definitely my kind of girl. I will make sure to have links to all of Molly's social media handles and her blog in the show notes at realrelationshiptalk.com. And of course, I'll remind you about all of this at at the end of the episode. And can I just let you know that I originally recorded this episode in my brand new podcast space before I actually got the acoustics and everything set up. Yes, I know that was not a very smart thing to do, but I was super excited and jumped the gun a little bit. So you might hear a little bit of an echo in this episode. There's nothing wrong with your phone or your device. It is my bad. So I just want to kind of bring that to your attention. And last but not least, before we jump into today's episode, what are your plans for Valentine's Day this year? If you are not planning anything specific, or if you're just planning on doing the same old boring dinner, I want to encourage you to change it up a little bit and join my husband, Sean, and I for our Valentine's Day couples workshop called Making Love Outside the Bedroom. You'll hear more about the workshop in the episode, and you are definitely going to want to join us and the other couples who have already registered. So go ahead and jot down my website, danashay.com forward slash workshops, or go ahead and put it in your notes app on your phone so that when the episode is done, you can head over there and register. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode with the amazing Molly Moses. 
So again, Molly, thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Even as we were talking, you know, kind of pre-production, pre-recording, we have so much in common as far as just really wanting to help women come into the freedom that that has been really, I think, just kind of hidden from us for such a while. So why don't you just kind of let everyone know a little bit about yourself. And I know that you're um, into fitness and family and you kind of interweave these things. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and your passion points. Absolutely. So um, I am a wife. And first, let me say thank you. Thank you, Dana. I'm so excited to be here um, and how we met so quickly. I'm just grateful for godly connection. So thank you. And I'm excited to talk about these topics as well. Um, So yes, I am a wife and a mother of two. I have a a seven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. And um, so life is a little crazy sometimes, but yes, um, I absolutely love being their mom and being a wife. I am also a ordained elder um, through God's Way Ministries. I am a PK. My dad is a pastor. So that is also uh, contributes to the narrative of my life. Um, I grew up in the church. So, um, you know, being a PK and everything that comes with that has definitely um, shaped my life drastically. Um, but yes, I did not, um, I guess I could say I ran from the call. I definitely not, did not see myself becoming an ordained elder. Um, I'm a praise dancer as well. So I thought that was going to be my thing. I've been dancing since I was eight and the Lord really moved on my heart through that and through choreography. So I thought that, okay, I'll do that for the church. But then when God was calling me to speak and to write, those things took a turn also. So I ran for a little bit, but I did answer the call. Um, I'm also a passionate marketer. I went to school for uh, marketing and communications. So I won't say I'm retired from the corporate world, but um in 2019, I did resign. I had um, I was a chief communications officer for the state of Ohio, a very rigorous, fast-paced job, and I loved every second of it. But uh, my husband is a serial entrepreneur and a restaurateur, and at the time, his businesses were going really well, and he had um, two restaurants up and going and was working on a third before the pandemic hit. So he really needed my help with the business and more with the children. So I shifted out of that corporate role. But I still very much have a passion for corporate communications, for marketing, for media. That's kind of my education and corporate background. I guess, yeah. And it's funny how we met. We actually met on Clubhouse, which for those of you who are listening, you might be thinking, what is Clubhouse? Clubhouse is so great for podcasters. It's an audio social media network, pretty much is what it is. And we were in a marriage, I think it was a marriage focused group. Yes. Yeah. And we were just talking about relationships and you stepped out on the stage and you started talking and I was like, I've got to get her on the podcast. (laughs) So much of what you were saying really resonated with what I feel and really the message that I'm trying to promote, which is that marriage, yes, marriage, I said this on last week's podcast, marriage is work, you know, it is hard at times, but it's also beautiful and it's also purposeful and it's meant to be celebrated. One of the things I know that you, um, that you believe too, Molly, is that it's interesting you're talking about, you know, being a PK and now still being an elder in the church. And so, you know, that we love the church, but but the church has some issues sometimes, um, especially pertaining to this conversation around sex. 
And, you know, I think that so often it's still this taboo subject. It makes people embarrassed. People don't want to talk about it. So you recently wrote a blog basically all about like how the church has kind of like not really helped us in this area. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, why do you think that there's still so much um, shame or embarrassment concerning this whole topic around sex and marriage? Yeah, I think it's a lot. Um, And I will say that my experience is in the charismatic evangelical background. So I don't want to kind of paint too broad of a picture because um, from what I have read, some of the other denominations do have some resources that appear to be out there, maybe kind of take a more holistic approach to teaching about sex. But from a charismatic, evangelical, Pentecostal, apostolic background, even Baptist, there was just so much silence. It just wasn't talked about at all. So the blog kind of touches on how there's purity culture, which talks about, yeah, we don't have sex. And that's that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sex is for marriage. They don't really go into any further detail about it. Um, And then also it kind of just has this connotation that it's dirty, that it's wrong. And I know that is to kind of shy us away from fornication. We know that that is the idea to kind of save us from ourselves. But in an attempt to do that, it's just shrouded in so much, just like you said, shame. And it's just, it it almost is like, yeah, we just don't go there. Mm -hmm. So I really am passionate about breaking down some of those walls because we need to talk about it. Right. Right. And I think that in the church, like what better place to talk about it? What better Mm -hmm. place to teach? Because, you know, if we are afraid to talk about it and and I'm thinking about even as parents, some, some people listening to this podcast might not have any kind of church background, but I think those who I know personally who their parents never talked to them about sex. It was just mm-hmm. a, very much like a, do, we don't talk about that. Or it was like, don't do it. Like, I remember when I was in college, my, uh, one of my college friends said that her um, parents told her that if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. And most people who, which she said, she said, if you're, if you get pregnant, if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. And if you have a baby too young, you can die. Like that's literally well, I've never heard that no one. Lie. Like, no lie, like that is what she was. She was like 18 years wow. old. You know what I mean? Thinking yeah. like these crazy, um, and I, you know, I don't know if her parents were joking with her and she, right. she literally believed it. And so that was all the information that she had. And right. so we are these college girls being like, honey, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you know, and so kind of bringing her up to speed, if you will. But, you know, I know that you have young children and mm-hmm. I know that, you know, somebody might say, well, my goodness, you know, they're only four, they're only seven, they're, they're too young. And I know that probably the four-year-old is young, but have you had any conversations with your kids about sex? Um, not about sex um, directly. So not about sexual relations. We have talked to both of them about body parts, anatomy, yeah. using real names. Um, so a funny thing about my daughter is she loves to be naked. She just doesn't like clothes. And this is strange because none of us are, none of the rest of us in my household are really like that. We don't really know where she gets it from, but we don't shame her for that. You know, we're at home. Nobody cares. You know, if you're not cold, you can be naked. So not, we haven't really started to educate them about sex yet, but we have started the body acceptance speeches and just being free, being yourself and not being ashamed of your body parts. Why should we be? So a healthy um, body image and self-awareness is what we're teaching right now. 
That's so good. That's so important. Um, I had one of my good friends, she's a sex therapist. She was on the podcast uh, several episodes ago and she's she's actually coming back for this series. And that was one of the biggest things that she said is when you're teaching your children about sex, tell them like the actual body parts. Don't Mm -hmm. allow them to start being ashamed of their body parts. And, um, and, And so, yeah, I think even going back to kind of that conversation with the church where like the modesty conversations, they mm-hmm. definitely have their place, but right. then what it can do is it can also teach people, women, especially to then be ashamed of their body. Like I have mm-hmm. to cover this up. This is somehow wrong or bad or sinful. If you have, if you're well endowed in certain right. And so I think that's a lot of things that we kind of have to undo. Let me mm-hmm. ask you, Molly. So obviously you have these young children and you have a great marriage. How do you keep the sexy alive, if you will, in your marriage with young children? Yeah, it's not always easy, but we make it a priority. I tell my mentees all the time, priorities are not what you say they are. They're what you show they are. So we can say that sex and intimacy is a top priority in our marriage. We can say that all the time, but if we're not showing it, then it's going to fall by the wayside. So I think it's super important to plan sex. Like it sounds weird to do, to plan intimacy. Um, But if we look, if we think back, how many times we've spontaneously sparked something in the past few months, it's probably not that often, especially when you have young kids. So planning it, sending texts and saying, hey, what's up tonight? You know, stuff like that, like making it not taboo. We are husband and wife. This is a union. We are best friends. We should be able to talk about this. And it was it was hard for me early in my marriage. I will say that because um, of how I grew up, I wasn't comfortable having these kind of open conversations with my husband. But then I realized if we're not having them, then it's not a priority. So um, doing some very real practical things like planning, like date nights, you know, um, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a very independent and strong willed person. So I don't really like to ask for help, but every now and then I need to ask my mom and my sister to keep the kids so we can have a date night and have some fun. So um, it's practical steps that, that, that are going to get you there. Yeah, I love how the intentionality behind it. Uh, we just did an, an episode, episode 22, about maintenance sex. And that was one of the biggest things that I was stressing. Is uh, you have to make it a priority. And you can't mm-hmm. just, like you said, you can't just say it. You have to either put it on that calendar or okay. somehow schedule what, you know, some people have this thing like, well, scheduled sex isn't spontaneous. It's not, it's not as fun and all of that. And that's fine. Like people have different opinions. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, as long as it's a priority because you make it so. Right. And and yeah, asking for help. I am a mentor mom for a group called MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. I've been involved with that ministry for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that is probably one of the biggest things that these young, these young moms have little teenies, you know, they have infants and two-year-olds. And And it's just like how, first of all, when you've got babies pulling on you all day, you know, growing up on you and I mean- don't feel very sexy. You don't feel very beautiful. And so it, there is that season of life, I think where you just kind of have to like have mind over matter, you know, have to like tell yourself I am beautiful, even with my extra 15 to 20 pounds of baby (laughs) on me, you know, I am beautiful, even though I feel like, you know, I feel like I look like, you know, crap or whatever. Right. Right. But I think it's it's also taking that extra step and doing things that make you feel beautiful too. Yes. You know, like take a shower every day. I'm huge. Like I'm telling these moms, like you should not be going three and four days, ladies. Come on. 
no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's not easy because so our son was not a sleeper, still is not a sleeper. He gets up in the middle of the night, even at seven years old. Mm. But when he was an infant, we really struggled because he didn't even nap. So there was an underlying health condition. He had really bad acid reflux and GERD. So he got put on medication for that, but he would not sleep during the daytime for longer than 30 minutes. It was like clockwork. I would put him down for a nap in 30 minutes. So I had trouble taking a shower and finding times to do things, to do something to my hair, to do something to my face. But we cannot neglect that. Um, Self-care is hard to find and hard to implement when they're infants, but you will really lose your sanity if you don't. So yeah, even when it's not easy, we gotta gotta find ways to do that. Even if it's just, hey, I need an hour so I can go to a nail appointment. You know, you gotta do that. Yeah, and it becomes this vicious cycle where if you're not taking just 15, 20 minutes, like I tell the ladies, I'm like, you don't have to have your face all glammed up, you know, but do something. If lip gloss makes you feel pretty, put on lip gloss. If yeah. you know, throw on some eyelashes, they make the magnetic ones now, you know, right. five minutes, pop it on, whatever it is, you know, even if it's just combing your hair or brushing yep. your hair, take off your scarf, you know, put on some new sweatpants. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. If you're going to have right. sweatpants on every day, change out the sweatpants. But because I think if you don't, then what happens is then you start feeling like, you know, um, you don't feel good about yourself. You no. feel but like this washed out, you know, old, like, and then your husband will pick up on that. And then yeah. he might not be as interested. And because he's not interested, then that makes you feel worse. And exactly. the whole cycle yes. that could easily be solved by you putting that baby in that crib for 20 minutes and letting mm-hmm. him or her cry it out if they need to, so that Thank you can take some time and kind of get yourself in a space where you feel Absolutely. like I can be presentable to, to my spouse. Absolutely. Super important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, young marriages, because I think, you know, men are visual creatures. Yes, they are. And so it's not to say that like men shouldn't also be taking care of themselves because they absolutely should. But I think as women, we need to understand that, you know, if your husband, I've said this before on other videos and podcasts, but if your husband is going to work every day with these nicely dressed, nice smelling women who are about their business and then he comes home and you've got throw up everywhere and and your same clothes from the floor that like, that's just, that's just a recipe for disaster. It is. More often than not, it is. Fellas, are you sick of your wife being too tired for sex? Ladies, do you get annoyed that all your husband seems to want is sex? What if you could take your intimate connection to the next level? I want to teach you about making love outside of the bedroom. Come learn how to make your lovemaking sessions last all day long. Join my hubby Sean and I for a hot and spicy virtual workshop on Tuesday, February 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll help you and your spouse to rekindle those loving feelings you felt when you first came together and make your marriage exciting again. Come with your spouse or come by yourself. Register today for the virtual workshop at danashay.com slash workshops. Whether you've been married for 30 days or 30 years, you won't want to miss this workshop. Register now at danashay.com slash workshops because it's time you made your marriage bed great again.
So tell us a little bit, Molly, about how do you incorporate like fitness and um, just taking care of your physical self? How has that proven to be a benefit for you and your marriage, especially in the sexual intimacy department? Ooh, it's huge. It is absolutely huge. So I struggled and still do, if I'm completely honest, with um, having and maintaining a healthy body image. Mm -hmm. I pick myself apart. And I just did a post about this on Instagram um, because I grew up as a dancer and I'm classically trained. So ballet, modern jazz, all of the disciplines that you're supposed to be stick thin for or back in the day you were. So when I started to develop and I started to fill out I started to detest my thighs and I didn't, I didn't want to, but like, it, I didn't want that. And so um, when I got into fitness, which wasn't until college, it really helped me to unpack and break down some of those unhealthy ways that I looked at myself. I feel more confident from the inside out when I work out. So that plays a huge role into when it comes into the bedroom, because um, early on in our marriage, I was like a lights off kind of, you know, I don't really need you to see all of me until I'm laying down type of thing, even though I was fit, but I just didn't feel, I didn't have the self-confidence and, or even just not knowing even my, my blog piece talked about there, there was just so little education that I had that plays into insecurities too. So being fit and being active really gives me inner self-confidence, which plays into me being able to initiate me feeling comfortable, um, you know, with certain things that my husband does and with certain things that he says, because if you are, if you are uncomfortable with you, then other stuff, even that your husband says or does will also make you feel uncomfortable. So fitness is huge. I make time for it every day. Um, I know it's hard, but I try to tell busy moms, capitalize on your mornings because, you know, if, if your kids are still asleep, that's the best time you are going to have. Um, I work it in in the morning because I know if I don't get it done in the morning, it's not happening. So I work it in the morning, but um, I know that if I go stretches for some reason that I am not active, I just don't feel as good about myself. So it definitely plays a huge role in uh, how I feel about myself and our marriage and our sex life. It's massive. Yeah, I love, you know, you touched on another word, insecurities. And that was something that I was going to ask you about, too, because I feel like so many women, um, we do have so many insecurities in, in ourselves, you know, and even if you are stick thin, like it, it, it amazes me that you see these like models and they're insecure and you're like, right. why? Like, right. why do you, what, what do you have to be insecure about? Right. But I think, you know, I don't know. Most women, I think, have some form of insecurity concerning their bodies. Lots of women don't like to be seen naked. Lots of women don't like to get dressed or undressed in front of their husbands. And how do you, if let's say a woman does have extra weight, she doesn't feel fit, she doesn't feel like she looks good. How do you think that women can overcome some of these insecurities in their marriage? I think um, starting with the things you do like about yourself, I would hope that every woman has at least one or two things that she does love about her body. She may feel like it's small, but it could be her hair or her eyebrows or, you know, her legs, whatever it is, celebrate the things that you do love and um, find ways to accentuate those in your personal style and what you wear. Um, And then work on the things that you don't like. One of my, one of my favorite, 
favorite blogs that I've written was talking about um, the negative of body positivity. So I feel like there's the body positive movement is amazing. And I am so glad that we've gotten there, but it also kind of put this facade over things that we actually don't like about ourselves. And I think it's healthy to have things that you want to improve. If you want to improve those things, don't act like they don't exist. So those things that you genuinely are uncomfortable with, work on those things. and But have, have a healthy view of them. Know that you may never be a size four and be comfortable with that, but still work on what makes you feel comfortable. Um, I have the, the kind of notion that you can have the body you want. You just have, you have to be willing to work on it. So whether, I know lots of people that desire to gain weight. So whether you want to gain weight or lose weight or tone up, those goals, accept those goals and work on them. So women who have, um, who have weight, they want to lose. I say first, celebrate those things you do love about those about yourself and accentuate those things. And then when we're talking about marriage, also ask your husband what his favorite parts of your body are. You know, what do you like about me? I would have conversations with my husband and say, you know, I'm really looking to change this. How would that make you feel? Or I point blank asked him, you know, what's too thin for you? You know, if I got this small, like, would you, would, would you still be attracted or, you know, having those kind of conversations that may be uncomfortable um, can give us a lot of insight because our, our spouses, we chose each other for a reason. So right. just because you have these issues and don't like something about yourself, don't assume that your spouse doesn't. He might love that. There are men out there that love some extra, extra. So just because it's something we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, it doesn't mean that that they do that. No, that's such a great point. I remember growing up, I went to a predominantly white school and most now white girls these days have all kinds of stuff that they didn't used to have. You know, I'm like, when do white girls start getting butts? Because they the same thing. The white girls of the 80s did not have big butts. OK, At all. No. So I always had like, you know, a big butt like that. Um, that I, Hey, it's DNA, like all right. the women in my family. There's nothing right. I can do about that. But because I went to school with all of these stick thin girls, right. I had an insecurity about that. And so I would literally walk a different way to like de-accentuate my uh, derriere. And so I remember when my husband and I got together, like that is one of the favorite things about my body to him. Yep. And so him saying that to me, I was like, oh, you like this? So, and so then I became very proud about it and now like I said now everybody people listen people are getting surgeries exactly what God gave me you know naturally so praise me um but I think that's such a great point because so many of things that we feel ashamed about or insecure about whether it be from what we've seen or growing up somebody pointed something out about our body that we didn't like or that they didn't like and so then we stopped liking it but that might be the thing that our husbands love absolutely one of my girlfriends she says <laughs> she was like you know get, getting older it's harder to lose weight the older that you get and so she was really insecure about she calls it her fluffiness right mm-hmm. and she's not overweight but her husband was like I love how squishy you are mm-hmm. like you know he said he, it makes him feel comfortable like it's cozy yeah. and here she is like thinking she needs to be this tough, rough, you know, hardened bodybuilder and working so hard to get to that body where her husband actually loved just kind of her softness. Yeah. I thought, you know what, that's a really, really great point to ask your husband, what are some things that you really love about my body? Because that can actually help to absolve some of those insecurities. It really can. And you nine times out of 10, you're probably going to be surprised with his answer, but (laughs) those aren't conversations that we're having on the regular. 
Exactly. Exactly. So I want to know, I want to segue a little bit into talking about some of the lies. We talked about this on the podcast that I did uh, with the Lawrence's. We talked about lies that we believed from the church. Um, But I want to know, what are some lies that you feel like women have believed, maybe from the culture or maybe from our upbringing? Like, what do you think are some lies that women are believing that that are really holding us back from being truly free and in sexual intimacy with our husbands? Ooh, um, I think there's tons, but I think probably one of the biggest ones is that our desires come secondary. So, you know, it's our responsibility to fulfill his needs first. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if we fulfill our own desires or if he chooses to do that, to go to journey with us through that, then okay. But I think one of the biggest lies is that that's our first priority. And then everything else comes second. Um, I do think that worldly society and culture has done a good job, especially in the last maybe 15 years, 10 to 15 years or so of um, having, of, of painting the picture that it's okay for a woman to own her own sexuality. As you said, there, there are probably people that are listening to this that are not ingrained in church culture. So, you know, your level of acceptance with that and what you feel is appropriate is up to you. But um, you know, you've got the Cardi B's and the Megs out there that are owning their sexuality and, and using that for profit for lack of lack of a better term. But it still um, plays into the larger narrative that we are sexual beings and inside marriage, we should be free to explore that. So we have been able to break down some of those walls, but it still is really, I think, just we've got to do more. We have to do more when it comes to actually exploring those things that are um, important to us, our passions, the things that we like. I just feel like one of the biggest lies is that that should come secondary and that women don't initiate. If your man, if your husband feels like having sex with you, then he'll initiate that and and you sit back and wait. You know, those are lies. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of women are uncomfortable initiating. There's lots of husbands that, you know, I've been talking to, um, whether through coaching or through who reach out, you know, through the, uh, through the podcast or whatever. And even my husband, my husband does a group for men and they're all talking about, you know, their wives don't really initiate and men want their wives to initiate. But again, I think you're right. I think if you are a woman and you've not been taught to own your sexuality and you don't have to wait for your husband to get in the mood. Like if you're in the mood, honey, like go for it. Go for it. I think that a lot of women still are not comfortable initiating. I think that a lot of women also get this, um, this confused, like if, if I'm supposed to be free in my sexuality, how free can I be without them being raunchy? And I think I read something too on your website where you were like, you know, I'm not crass. I'm not raunchy pretty much. And I really appreciated you saying that because that's a huge value of mine. I am completely open and transparent about talking about sex, but I think that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it. And when we begin to like the Bible talks about not allowing your marriage bed to be defiled. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you start bringing in things that take away from the sex, sexual intimacy between husband and wife, that's when it can be a little bit tricky. And that's when you can start to kind of get into some dangerous waters. But I think, you know, there is a way to celebrate your sexuality, whether you're married or not, because even if you're not married, you're still a sexual being. Well, I believe that there's a way to celebrate 
all of you and all of who God made you to be without turning into this raunchy, crass, um, over-sexualized person. Yeah. Where, you know, this is kind of the dividing line. If you are um, a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, like you cannot be taking your cues from the world on this one. Because the world is going to tell you they're, you know, all bets are off. Do whatever right. feels good. Do whatever right. looks good. Do whatever right. looks and feels good yeah. and have no shame about it. Yeah. But we operate on a different um, set of rules, if you will, right. on a different set of integrity, I should say. Absolutely. Yeah. So have you seen, and I'm sure that you probably have as far as in the church or people who you know are believers kind of get that line blurred a little bit. And how would someone know? Like if there's someone listening right now and they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian and, you know, I want to be proud of who I am as a sexual being, but how do I know when I've kind of crossed the line? What would you say to that? Um, so if you're a believer, I would hope that you have a, a relationship with Christ. So you're not just um, going to church and bring being preached to or being preached at, but you are actually having dialogue with God in, in your time. So um, you've got to have these conversations with God and you've got to have personal standards. Um, the Holy spirit is a powerful thing and it guides us. And I do think that, um, people just are different. What convicts people is different. I'm not talking about sin overall. You know, we all know that the the sins that are in the Bible I'm talking about, there are some people who can't listen to secular music. There are some things that, that vex people because of their relationship. So I think you've got to be very attentive to that and pay attention to that. And when the Holy spirit, is kind of trying to rein you in, don't go against that. So I think that that is number one. And I think let's just use some, some common sense. If you are single, um, you should not, and I, you know, I don't like to tell people what they should do, but it doesn't make sense um, when we are adopting worldly principles and um, engaging in fornication or condoning certain things that we know are not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got to practice some common sense, but that that should not take away from us being able to learn. So singles who desire to be married, because I'm under the belief that not everybody should be married. I don't know if everybody to ascribes to that belief, but, and uh, Paul talked a lot about that in the Bible. Like he just didn't believe that marriage was for everybody. So I really try to speak to singles who desire to be married, not blurring that line of um, trying to explore and find your sexuality as a single. It's about accepting that, but understanding that um, the exploration is reserved for the marriage, you know, learning, get your education um, about these things you don't know about. Maybe you weren't taught in school. You definitely weren't taught in church. So read and understand and start to know yourself, but then know that the practice of that is reserved for marriage. That's such a good word, Molly. I think, you know, again, going back to your um, thought about not everyone should be married. And that's so true. I think that that's kind of one of those other lies, if you will, that, that we've kind of picked up from the church is that um, everyone should be married. And so, people feel like they're an incomplete human if they're Mm -hmm. single. We're actually going to be doing this whole series coming up after this all about sex series. We're doing a whole single, a whole series for singles because I want singles to be free in their singleness. And if God calls you to be married, great. If he doesn't, great. There's not like, you're not a better person because you're married. As a matter of fact, marriage is going to bring a lot of stuff out of you. (laughs) 
<laughs> that you, you know, as my I look at my single friends and I'm just like, you have no idea how good you have it sometimes, you know, yeah. always looks greener on the other side. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's about being free to just fully embrace and accept yourself. And also, like you said, getting in the word of God and finding out like, it, it baffles me when I speak to like a group of Christians um, and they have no idea what like God says about sexual ethics. Yeah. Like, how are we supposed to behave sexually? It's like, it, it's like, it's not in there. Right. Like, there's so many places in scripture where like, this is blatantly obvious and these are the things. And, and the thing I love about, you know, having a relationship, like you mentioned with the Lord is that when you have that relationship with the Lord, you realize that this is not just a set of rules. This is not just like God telling you, you can't do this. You can't enjoy, you can't um, have sex because it's wrong, but it's like, there's a reason behind that. Yeah. One of the biggest reasons I think is because when you look at how powerful sex is, Mm -hmm. why it's so great in marriage, because it bonds you to another human like nothing else. Yeah. And so when you just go out here and you're starting to have sex with all these folks because they're cute or because you feel connected to them or because you want to try it out, you're literally bonding yourself to all of these different people. Absolutely. And you got these folks walking around wondering why they're so broken. And it's mm-hmm. like you've got pieces of you all over whatever city you live in. Exactly. Exactly. And not only that, um, th- there is that and, and soul ties are very real and giving yourself to somebody just frivolously like that. Um, there are several, you know, we have case studies of why that is not, that is not good. But even when it comes to when those unions result in a child, um, what we have to understand is that it's so much more difficult to raise a child as a single parent. Not that it can't be done. People do it successfully, but that's not the way it was intended to be. Be. And I'm not I'm not trying to speak against um, people who adopt children as single people. I'm not saying that single people can't raise children successfully. But when we have um, situations where young women have had a lot of frivolous sex and then end up with a child and they're very, very young, maybe a teenager or somebody young in their 20s. Um, that is a really hard uh, mountain to climb to raise that child without without a father, without the help that you needed. The these these things sound cliche, but they're really not. It takes a village, yeah. and when you don't have that support, um, it's just your life becomes extremely compounded. So going back to what you said about rules and what it, what seems to be restrictive is really for our own good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I'm just um, I'm grateful for people like you. I'm grateful for people who are relevant in the culture, you know, who believe in like looking your best and enjoying your marriage and, you know, being sexy with your husband and having all these things, but that also have a standard of, okay, this is how we act. This is how we don't act. Um, If God forbid, you know, something were to happen to either one of our husbands and we found ourselves single again, you know, I'm like, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. Like I'm willing to say, okay, well, guess what? Now I'm single again. And I have to adhere to these, um, these principles, you know, to this lifestyle of really it's godliness. That's what it is. Just a lifestyle of godliness. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the danger in like, I grew up kind of in the purity movement where it was like, you know, don't have sex until you get married or make sure you stay pure until you get married. And I was like, "Mm, actually you need to stay pure all the way through. Like right. after you get married, right? You stay pure because that again is is saying sex is not pure. 
Right. Exactly. Get married. Now you don't have to worry about the purity. Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. That's where the whole dirty narrative comes in. It's from that, you know, so we've got to under words are very, very powerful. So if you're going to throw the word pure around and purity, you got to think, what is the opposite of that? So if you're telling me to stay pure, if I do slip up and have sex with somebody, I'm dirty. And then for how long am I dirty? And how do I redeem myself from that? And then, um, yeah, you don't know how to, unpack that when you're ready to be free with your husband because you've been preached this purity culture and so now that I am ready to be free how do I do that right right and that's what you know I think this podcast that's the goal is to help women to un- to come out of those dead traditions and those um lies and just misinformation and know that you know y- if you are a believer, like Christ has purified you. And so, yes, we have a standard that we live under. And yes, you should be operating in the way that God's word says that you should be operating in. But again, operate that way the entire way through. That's when when you get married, you still have to be careful about what you watch. I am a grown married woman and I do not watch movies of people having sex. And I'm not just talking about porn. I'm talking about like, even like regular movies that you would go see in the movie theater. I'm not interested and that because that is not keeping my marriage bed undefiled. Right. So I'm constantly thinking about, you know, how do I make sure on my end that I'm not bringing anything into my marriage bed that is not of God? Right. We don't let go of the whole purity thing um, just because we get married. We actually, I think, dial it up even more and protect. Mm -hmm. And I think that as wives, we have a responsibility and a privilege to help our husbands. And this is kind of going back to that conversation of like, how can you help your husband to stay pure? You know, mm-hmm. give them something good to look at. So right. I'm roaming on wandering all over the place. Exactly. Now that isn't, you're not responsible if his eyes roam, but give the man some help, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Bit. And that's, that's why initiation on the wife's part is huge yeah. because you don't, you know, like you said, you're not responsible if his eyes do roam. But you do have a level of responsibility to keep him engaged. Um, I read something um that was saying that how this was, this is a man that's writing this Um, sex every night should be the goal. So a a man uh, doesn't not desire to have sex. Like if you give him the opportunity, your husband wants to have sex with you every night. You know, if he's sick, tired, had a rough day, there are times where it just doesn't happen. But um, it was saying basically assume he wants to have sex every night. Mm -hmm. So you've got to understand that their minds work differently and I guess we can use the word needs if we want to. They have they have different needs. And um, I think understanding your body and your cycle as a woman. So another thing I wasn't taught about was ovulation or just your cycle in general and your hormones. But as an adult, I found out just how much friskier I am when I'm ovulating because your body wants to make a baby. So I would notice around the same time this month, I'm like, why do I really want to connect with my husband right now? It's because I'm ovulating. So as as wise, we need to learn that. We need to learn our cycle and we need to take advantage of those days. So my advice to a woman, to a wife who is learning how to initiate, um, start with those days when you really feel like it, because it might be scary, but your body is already telling you that you want that connection. So start, start there. But we don't know these things. Nobody taught me about ovulation and what happens. Right. That's such great advice, Molly. Well, why don't you tell everybody who's listening how they can find you, how they can find your blog. Uh, just tell us a little bit about how they can connect with you. Yeah, so you can find my blog on my website, shapeyourfit.com. And I write about marriage, family, faith, fitness, um, a, a 
whole myriad of things. So um, I would love if you found my blog and subscribed there. I am on Instagram um, at shape with Molly. Um, I, I tweet, I'm an avid <laughs> Twitter user. I love Twitter. It's like a whole different universe. So you can find me on Twitter at the name is Molly. And as Zaina said, I'm now on clubhouse and I'm kind of, um, still getting used to that, but developing a small community there. And, um, my handle there is the same as Twitter. Um, the name is Molly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Molly, for being here. Thank you for what you shared today. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope that you found a lot of value from that episode. I know I did. I love going back and listening to these episodes, y'all, because even though I'm the host of this podcast, I'm also a listener. So thanks, Molly Girl, for what you gave us today. I appreciate you so very much. If you would like to follow Molly, you can find her on Instagram at shapewithmolly, or you can also follow her blog at shapeyourfit.com. And I will, again, have links to Molly's social media handles and her blog in the show notes at realrelationshiptalk.com. And be sure to go ahead and register for our upcoming marriage workshop called Making Love Outside the Bedroom. You can register at realrelationshiptalk.com. Just look at the workshops tab, or you can head over to danashay.com forward slash workshops. We would absolutely love to have you in the workshop. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode. Oh, oh, oh. By the way, check out Clubhouse and be sure to follow me there. I am at Marriage Coach. So hey, let's continue the conversation about the podcast over on social media. You can find me on Facebook at The Real Relationship Talk or Instagram at Real Relationship Talk. I would love to continue the conversation. So thanks so much for joining today. Can't wait to see you guys next week. We have a couple more episodes left in our All About Sex series, and then we will get all into our singles series. Super excited about that. Have a great week, guys. See you on the next episode. Take care. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.